Good evening, and welcome to Dan Bain's Sleepy Time Mumbles, a podcast you can miss. I am Dan Bain, and every episode I improvise a low-stakes podcast for you fall asleep to. This evening, friends, I'm going to try something a little different. For those of you who need a real long mumble, if you like a long mumble, then boy is this the episode for you. This is an omnibus episode of four episodes of pseudo-medieval sword adventure, all joined together without bookending. It's all sword adventure all the time for yeah, nearly nearly two hours of pure fantasy nonsense if you were not a fan of the pseudo medieval sword adventures when they first came out you will not enjoy this because it's the same thing but more so probably nothing for you here Mm -hmm. see you next week (laughs) I've recommitted I guess to releasing new episodes of the show once a month and as I am able to get ahead on those I may start filling in the gaps in between those monthly offerings to you ideally building up to a regular fortnightly or yeah I I think that's probably about I'm not going to say it's going to go back to weekly anyway uh, but every so often I'm going to throw a little bonus extra out like this particular creation if you want to find out more about that you could subscribe to my newsletter there's a link to it in the show notes and that just avoids all of the nonsense that is social media Um, we have a fun time 
it'd be nice to to see you there and as always if you'd like to see the show go to fortnightly again the best way to trick me into doing that is by leaving a five star review on the Apple iTunes uh, but in the meantime here's the first omnibus episode all those other things they can wait for now put down your phone Turn off your screens. Close your eyes. Now it's time to be mumbled to sleep. Pseudo-Medieval Sword Adventure Book One The Hammer of Anvilston The Raven's Keep Sequence Catalyst Rising By Dan Bain The village of Gar sat nestled at the south end of the valley of Strongsider. It was named this for the cider that was made from the orchards that surrounded the village of Gar. The valley was bordered by the mountains and hills of Rockcliffe. The Rockcliffe Mountains were home to many creatures, both fair and foul. Though the foul ones had mostly been driven back in the events of the High Sun Wars some twenty cycles earlier. Though there were some that said that one day they would rise again. Twas written on old parchments 
libraries and the white-bearded elders who guarded them whispered as they chanted their canticles that one day the fowl would return but not so now Beyond the Stonecliff Mountains was Port White Water, a bustling seaport, and here the cider from Gar was exported across the realms to be quaffed at the feasts of the high kings and swilled in the pubs of the common folk for they were a bulk manufacturer uninterested in discovering the niche in the market. They just made heaps of it. And the ships of Whitewater, laden with their barrels of cider, their liquid gold cargo would ply the waterways of the realm, delivering it wheresoever twas desired. Beneath the ten suns, the apples in the orchards glistened, as the keepers walked between them, upright on their hind legs, their thoraxes dragging behind them, carefully buzzing to each other as they went about their tasks. Secateurs in hand, clipping trees as required, and picking apples and placing them into baskets. The church bell in the temple of Jatar rang six times, once for each of the six sacrifices made by the elders when the world first was made and all 
returned to the temple and made the sign of Growl, the sign of Growl, where they placed their palm over their forehead and their hip in remembrance of the sacred wounds of the first of the elders. The ritual complete. The keepers returned to their work. But in the tavern, a cheerful drinking hole called the Pig's Gauntlet, an argument was brewing. I will not pay this price for cider, said Pokarth Six-Sword. Pokarth was a tall man with a scar on his face. And was carrying his namesake six swords, two on his back, and a cross carry mode, one sheathed, scabbarded on either hip. And one in each hand, always. Each sword had a purpose. Each sword had a different colored gem ensconced in the base of the hilt. Each sword had a different rune engraved into the metal of the blade. Each sword had a different color. Each sword had a different spiky bit. These swords all had personalities. These were what Pokarth used instead of his own personality. The sword that he was holding in his hands, the combination of the two of them, 
dictated how he would respond to any given situation. And right now, in his left hand, he held the blade, Delmar the Bargain Hunter, Slayer of Merchants. And in his right hand, he held the blade, Crodor. The civilian slayer, maker of widows, and installer of of curtains. The combination of Wanting a bargain, being willing to kill a civilian, and also a nagging sense of the failures of the pig's gauntlet's interior decoration were what was fueling Poe Karth's personality. As he said what he said, and scowled at the barkeep. I don't want no trouble, mister, said the barkeep. Then, said Pocarth, his very responses being fueled by the blade personalities gripped in his hands. Then you had best lower the price of this tankard of cider. I'll not pay seven bobars for this. It's a silver squizzy at the most. I hate to haggle, good adventurer, said the barkeep, but this is the strong cider of strong cider, hand reared by the keepers, the bee folk who guard this town from any who would cause troubles unto it. I fear no bee folk, said Pocarth, and I shall not pay that price. Very well, then you, I shall take that cider back, for you have not yet even picked it up. You would ask me to place down my blades? Aye, that I would, for this be a 
peaceful tavern and fighting is not encouraged then you would do best barkeep to not raise my ire Enough, Pocarth, said a voice from the other end of the bar. It was Snivel, the wizard, who accompanied Pocarth on many of his adventures. He was doing some magic to a group of leprechauns and one of them had just picked a card and Snivel was worried that Pokarth was going to start a bar fight before he could reveal the six of knaves that he had hidden in a lantern earlier. Then he would win six brass farthings for he had made a bet with the leprechauns. If it will cause ye peace, said Snivel, I shall pay the balance of your brew now. Sit down and let us drink to our successes. Once I fleece these leprechauns of six shiny farthings. Pocarth grumbled, but sat down at the table, one sword still in his hand, the other on his lap, ready to be grabbed at any time, as he sipped at his cider. Snivel revealed the card in the lantern and the leprechauns were very impressed and then vanished in a puff of smoke transporting back to the emerald realm where they dwelt unto I heard a rumor said Snivel as he counted his farthings I heard a rumor 
that there is a beast that lives in the hills. A beast, said Pokarth, sheathing Kobor the sword of civilian slaying and drawing Margarita, the beast slayer, the light in the darkness, the shadow banisher, the spider haunt, the wolf sticker, the jackaloper, the bear scalper. Immediately, the love of hunting beasts flooded into his personality, energized from the hilt of Margarita. The beast slaying sword. Oh, he said, Pokarth, I love to slay a beast. Be it normal or magical enhanced. I'll do it all. Be there a reward, for I could use many a farthing. I said Snivel, some farthings are available for the completion of this task. Very well, said Pokarth, from whence shall we be assigned this, or to whom shall we return the head of the beast to claim this bounty. That would be me, came a voice from the the hearth. They both turned and sat at a chair facing the fire looking into the flickering flames was a man with uh, made out of plasticine I have put a bounty on this beast he said, his face wobbling as he spoke, for it is the creation of the witch who cursed me, for I have been cursed to have a face 
made out of plasticine. Snivel and Pokarth nodded. This was a, a usual thing. They'd seen these types of things all over the land. From the Black Pit to Whitewater Port itself. All across the realms, people's faces were being changed into malleable substances. I knew there was some magical wickedness behind this, said Snivel. Indeed, said the plasticine-faced man. And this may just be the first step in leading ye to the source of it all. Pokarth finished his cider. Then, let us to the road. you have. When last we left, our hero Pokarth Six Sword, he was complaining about the price of cider and preparing to go for... Wait, what's this? The bookmark is in a different position, not at chapter two at all. Have you been secretly reading ahead? Very well. Then let us pick up at chapter ten of Pseudo-Medieval Sword Adventure Book 1 The Hammer of Anvilston The Raven's Keep Sequence Catalyst Rising by Dan Bain The three pack mules were laden with baggage that jingled in a treasury way. 
as Pokarth's sick sword led them down the prince's highway towards the green gate. on the mire. A rope tied the mules into a train and Pokarth had the end tied around his belt so that he could hold a sword in each hand as always the sun shone as he walked along the prince's highway and in the distance he could see the looming walls of Greengate on Mire. To his left, there was a small copse of trees. And to his right, the undulating plains grass plains as far as I could see broken only by the occasional elf tower and smoke tree He looked around for any trace of his travelling companion, Snivel the Wizard, but there was no sight of him. Whether this was because he had failed to meet their rendezvous time, or whether he was just invisible by magic, Polkarth did not know. He hoped it was because he was just invisible, but he feared that the wizard may have been delayed. These are the thoughts that filled Polkarth's mind as he trod on weary feet down the pressed packed earth of the Prince's Highway until he arrived mules in tow at the Green Gate 
of Greengate on Mire. A guard stood at the gate and asked him what his business was. Trading, replied Polkarth, Six Sword. I have many a trinket I would trade. And also I would be keen for a drink. I, that's right, money to spend. Very well, said the guard. Come through to immigration. The immigration? Queried Polkath. I, immigration. And the guard led Pokarth, and Pokarth led his mules into the immigration room. There was a man behind a desk. Do you have anything to declare? said the man I am Pokarth Sixsword the brave the cunning the slayer of Dogfoot the giant harrower of the narrow straits Old man's beard of must go. I care not for your titles, said the man, though they be impressive. I care instead for the taxable duties on those treasures I assume ye have on those mules. Pukath narrowed his eyes and waved his sword hands around. What? Let's just do... Let's go through them and let's see what taxes and duties you owe for bringing them into the city of Greengate on Mire. Ugh, said Pokarth. Very well, administrator, but know you well do not try to cheat me, or the floor will know your blood. 
led the first mule up to the desk and the administrator opened the saddlebags and began to unpack them. Three copper goblets encrusted with rubies in the shape of hellish runes. These have a ten gold piece import duty or you can just give me one goblet. Very well, said Pokarth. Take your goblet. Okay. One chainmail shirt that glows in the presence of wood goblins. Five silver pieces in Port Judy. Run a tally, said Pokarth. I'll keep that. Very well, said the administrator. And marked it on the tally sheet. Two boots, left foot only, no import duty on those. Six fish made out of pearls glued together. Seven fish glued together, made out of pearls. That's one fish in Port Judy, or 20 gold finnegots. 20 finnegots! exclaimed Polkarth. Nay. Take one of the fish, unglue it from its brothers. Very well, said the administrator. A golden bull with an extra horn coming out of its nose. A unicorn bull with a wind-up key and when you wind it up it comes to life for between one and six minutes.
nine copper farthings. Why is that one so cheap? said Pokarth. Because it's probably only useful for you, said the administrator. Very well, said Pokarth. Continue your rummaging. What's this here? A embroidered tapestry depicting a scene of a sensual erotic nature these these are not allowed in town you can either leave it in the office and get it on the way out or uh, I'll buy it off you for one one I'll trade it for this golden amulet that creates a force field if anyone throws an egg at you it's the amulet of egg defense I will trade it for this erotic rug tapestry. You have a deal, said Pokarth. Very well, said the administrator. Let it be done. Now, to the second mule. And the first mule was led away. And the second mule brought to the fore three copper goblets encrusted with rubies in the shape of hellish runes. These have a ten gold piece import duty. Or you can just give me one goblet. Very well, said Pokarth. Take your goblet. Okay. One chainmail shirt that glows in the presence of wood goblins. Five silver pieces in Port Judy. Run a tally, said Pokarth. I'll keep that. Very well, said the administrator. And marked it on the tally sheet. 
two boots, left foot only, no import duty on those. Six fish made out of pearls glued together. Seven fish glued together made out of pearls. That's one fish in Port Judy or twenty gold finnegots. Twenty finnegots exclaimed Polkarth. Nay take one of the fish unglue it from its brothers very well said the administrator a golden bull with an extra horn coming out of its nose a unicorn bull with a wind up key and when you wind it up it comes to life for between one and six minutes nine copper farthings why is that one so cheap said Pokarth because it's probably only useful for you said the administrator very well said Pokarth continue your rummaging what's this here a embroidered tapestry depicting a scene of a sensual erotic nature these these are not allowed in town you can either leave it in the office and get it on the way out or uh, I'll buy it off you for one one I'll trade it for this golden amulet that creates a force field if anyone throws an egg at you it's the amulet of egg defense. I will trade it for this erotic rug tapestry. You have a deal, said Pokarth. And with that, the second mule was led away, and the third and final mule brought to the fore.
the administrator rubbed his hands. You have a good haul here, Pokarth. Pokarth simply nodded. He had not anticipated paying these many duties for his booties. The administrator's eyes gleamed as he turned his attention to the bags upon the third mule. Three copper goblets encrusted with rubies in the shape of hellish runes. These have a ten gold piece import duty. Or you can just give me one goblet. Very well, said Pokarth. Take your goblet. Okay. One chainmail shirt that glows in the presence of wood goblins. Five silver pieces in Port Judy. Run a tally, said Pokarth. I'll keep that. Very well, said the administrator. And marked it on the tally sheet. Two boots. Left foot only. No import duty on those. Six fish made out of pearls glued together. Seven fish glued together made out of pearls. That's one fish in Port Judy, or 20 gold finnegots. 20 finnegots! exclaimed Pokarth. Nay, take one of the fish, unglue it from its brothers. Very well said the administrator a golden bull with an extra horn coming out of its nose a unicorn bull with 
a wind-up key and when you wind it up it comes to life for between one and six minutes nine copper farthings why is that one so cheap said Pokarth because it's probably only useful for you said the administrator very well said Pokarth continue your rummaging What's this here? A embroidered tapestry depicting a scene of a sensual erotic nature. These these are not allowed in town. You can either leave it in the office and get it on the way out or uh, I'll buy it off you for one one I'll trade it for this golden amulet that creates a force field if anyone throws an egg at you it's the amulet of egg defense I will trade it for this erotic rug tapestry you have a deal said Pokarth and will that be all aye said the administrator your duties are paid your job here is done. Welcome, Pokarth Six Sword. Welcome to the city of Greengate on Maya. Pseudo Medieval Sword Adventure, Book One The Hammer of Anvilston. The Raven's Keep sequence. Catalyst Rising. Chapter 29. On Victory Hill. Pokarth stood on the dais with the rulers and dignitaries of Red Castle. The victory had been hard won, and all of them showed signs of the long campaign, the days and nights of trial and effort, the struggles and toils 
that all of them collectively had been through. Pogarth looked around him to his companions and indeed also to those that were not there as well as those that were there and he felt emotions of both. Next to him, Carmela Redibla, the albino lizard woman whom he had rescued from the wasting disease, turned and looked at him and winked one of her yellow reptilian eyes. I love a parade, she chuckled. On the streets below, a horn sounded long and low, and the victorious forces began their parade through the streets. People leaned out of windows to throw flower petals and rice, hard uncooked rice, as was the custom, raining down gleefully on the, the victorious forces. At the head of the parade, His Majesty's Golden Cavalry, the Lightbringers, carrying high their banner, the crocodile-headed lion and emblazoned with their motto we roar their stirrups jingled and their horses wicked and that the sun pinged off their shiny, shiny armor. They all carried shields and lances with pennants that blew in the breeze. They were led by 
Captain. Kermeling. Cudgel. The third. Pokarth had saved Cudgel in the battle of Fensdell and Kerminal turned and nodded to Pokarth, who nodded back. Past the dais, the the unit of horsemen trick trotted, and behind them came the squire's cavalry. Which was uh, another cavalry unit made up entirely of knights, squires. The squires' guard, they were called, for their habit of guarding themselves. And they had been newly minted in the crucible of war. And they were a light cavalry. Uh, And their horses were not as good. But they proudly bore their banner. Which was a, a... A picture of a marionette. And their motto... Cut the strings and run free, which was controversial. High up above Pokarth, on the dais on top of the dais, the double dais, was the king's throne, and he frowned to see the squire's banner. But they could not be disowned, for their honour had been hard won, and none could dispute it. And the, the maidens of the town especially loved the squire's guard. Oh, they loved them. And they cheered most heartily as they came, as they wound their way through the streets. Behind them came the angry ladies mob. The mob of angry ladies with their With their long hair plaited with a, a, a 
spiky ball at the end. In battle, they would whirl their hair around like a less like a whip, like a flail, and bash the enemies. And they all wore sensible shoes. So they could run and whip you with their hair. And they they muttered their curses for and dark nimbuses of magical power danced around them for indeed they knew the darkening arts and they also all wore blindfolds for that was the custom of their order and because of this they were also quite muddy because they they couldn't see themselves to to clean themselves up and get all nice for the parade the king also frowned at this for a proclamation had been made that everyone was to look the best they could but Pokarth knew that this was the best they could look as he personally had been there for the hosing down of them before the parade began behind them marching in ordered rows came the grievous infantry they bore their banner high a green a green pig for they came from the piglands where every every house had a pig by law and marching in step next to their captain was the company mascot pig a a giant big old boar with enormous tusks called heavy henry who accompanied the grievous into battle and made a ferocious winking and had distinguished himself at the siege of the devil's bookcase they marched past in ordered rows all 500 of them 500 now but what casualties they had had for before the battle of the devil's bookcase 
there had been 5,000 of them. I indeed, the piglands would mourn the loss of their sons and husbands, their fathers and landlords who had been slain that fateful day but their deeds were recorded on the walls of the temple of Cuff and what honour that was indeed for no farmer from the piglands had e'er been mentioned there afore these times. Behind them came the, the prancing ponies which weren't part of the army but were just part of the parade and it was clowns who did acrobatic tricks on ponies and even though twas not really particularly appropriate uh, everyone liked the, the change of tone after the decimated grievous infantry behind them pulled by mighty oxen yoked to the front of them came the catapulting division Twelve mighty siege engines, each highly decorated and capable, known for their crushing of walls and hurling of stuff. The heavy creaking war machines vibrated the entire street as they were hauled past their crews marching in sloppy formation around them more accustomed to the mathematics of angle and torsion than the discipline of the parade ground. Behind these mighty war machines came the Regiment Fantastico. A manticore and a griffin and a small wyvern all ridden by 
Urantil elves with high pointy hats and arch expressions and as they did walk past the townsfolk they did fall silent and the throwing of petals and rice desisted for I had not been so many years ago that the elves had waged their own war on the children of man but now circumstance had brought them together and while ancient enmity still lingered and you found grudging respect had begun to blossom after the heroism of the elven brigade sacrificing itself to allow the evacuation of Brimstone Crag from the advancing horde. Behind them came 1,000 crabs pulling along the conch shell of the princess of the ocean she sat in her conch shell and ate a plum which was the only land food she had the taste for as the clacking of the crabs faded Pokarth sighed and turned to his lizardy paramour I fear this will go on for some time he said Pseudo Medieval Sword Adventure Book 1 the Hammer of Anvilston, The Raven's Keep Sequence, Catalyst Rising, Chapter 38. Three moons had come and gone since the end of the victory parade, yet still, Pokarth's Six Sword found himself walking the city.
wandering its streets, trying to reconnect to the feeling of joy that he had felt at the triumphal processions. He stood at the corner of Dell and Craft Streets. The stone cobbles beneath his feet and looked down the street northeast and began to walk past the crafters shops for indeed this was craft street he was upon and it was here that the crafters did demonstrate their wares the fine jewelers Prablo and Sons known for seven generations for being crafters of fine jewellery indeed twas said that once they made the crown they they made it and both the formal crown of the realm and the casual crown of the realm both king and queen editions that was their reputation amongst the folk and Pokarth nodded as he walked past mm, he thought to himself should I ever require some jewellery to be crafted this is where I would go to get it done across the street from the jewellery store was Mogrob the baker and his talented baking dogs Mogroth had three dogs that had human hands and human hands for feet hands hands for hands paws hands for paws and they put those to use making pies and turnovers and strudels and pastries galore also pies and breads both traditional and modern 
for the time. And the dogs would wear little baker's hat and everyone thought they were adorable and three of them were but one of them was a creep but nobody knew that at least not yet next door to the baker's there was a potion store Paul Prague's Potion Pimporium and Pokarth paused to peruse the potions portrayed in the window Potion of Invisibility Potion of cat-like reflexes. Potion of hair growth. Potion of mm, monkey business. Potion of strength. Potion of charisma. Potion of crab vomit. Potion of poison resistance. Potion of elemental evil. Potion of Caramel Potion of Silence Potion of Gelatinous cubes Essence Potion of Potion of potions. Potion of George's marvelous medicine. These all looked very appealing. And then his eye moved up to the second row of potions. Potion of invisibility. Potion of cat-like reflexes. Potion of hair growth. Potion of mm, monkey business. Potion of strength. Potion of charisma. Potion of crab vomit. Potion of 
poison resistance. Potion of elemental evil. Potion of caramel. Potion of silence. Potion of gelatinous cubes, essence. Potion of potion of potions. Potion of George's marvelous medicine. These also looked very good, but Pogarth checked his pockets and he only had two silver perfurlings in his pocket and the cheapest potion was 20 perfurlings for the potion of crab vomit which is a potion that if you drink it you then vomit crabs and they they go everywhere you vomit 100 crabs little little tiny ones that scuttle about Pogarth continued on through the maze of streets Candle Lane Good Goose Bridge Seaside Street And all the other famous ones Turning and turning Weaving through the honeycomb lattice That was the city Everywhere people would look at him and whisper under their breath, Tis that not? Pokarth's sick sword, hero of the conflict. But Pokarth had no time for them. All he wished to do was wander, and he did so, until finally he turned unto the lane of the crafters and began to walk past the crafters shops for indeed this was craft street he was upon and it was here that the crafters did demonstrate their wares the fine jewelers Prablo and Sons known for seven generations for being crafters of fine jewelry indeed 
Twas said that once they made the crown. They they made it. And both the formal crown of the realm and the casual crown of the realm. Both king and queen editions. That was their reputation amongst the folk. And Pokarth nodded as he walked past. Mmm, he thought to himself, should I ever require some jewellery to be crafted? This is where I would go to get it done. Across the street from the jewellery store was Mogrob the baker and his talented baking dogs. Mogroth had three dogs that had human hands and human hands for feet hands hands for hands paws hands for paws and they put those to use making pies and turnovers and strudels and pastries galore also pies and breads both traditional and modern for the time and the dogs would wear little baker's hat and everyone thought they were adorable and three of them were but one of them was a creep but nobody knew that at least not yet next door to the bakers there was a potion store Paul Prague's Potion Pimporium and Pokarth paused to peruse the potions portrayed in the window Potion of Invisibility Potion of cat-like reflexes. Potion of hair growth. Potion of mm, monkey business. Potion of strength. Potion of 
charisma, potion of crab vomit, potion of poison resistance, potion of elemental evil. Potion of caramel. Potion of silence. Potion of gelatinous cubes. Essence. Potion of Potion of potions. Potion of George's marvelous medicine. These all looked very appealing. And then his eye moved up to the second row of potions. Potion of invisibility. Potion of cat-like reflexes. Potion of hair growth. Potion of monkey business. Potion of strength. Potion of charisma. Potion of crab vomit. Potion of poison resistance. Potion of elemental evil. Potion of caramel. Potion of silence. Potion of gelatinous cubes. Essence. Potion of Potion of potions. Potion of George's marvelous medicine. These also looked very good, but Pokarth checked his pockets and he only had two silver perferlings in his pocket and the cheapest potion was 20 perferlings for the potion of crab vomit which is a potion that if you drink it 
you then vomit crabs and they they go everywhere you vomit 100 crabs little little tiny ones that scuttle about That was the omnibus edition of Pseudo-Medieval Sword Adventure. Congratulations for making it to the very end. Sleepy Time Mumbles is produced by Noost Octopus and invented hand presented by me Dan Bain follow us on all of the things that are in the show notes until next time though good night Sleep tight.